0: Well, Good morning and greetings in the precious name of Jesus, the one that gave his life so many years ago shed his blood you know, i I th- thought quite a bit of the blood was shared already this morning. I mean, we sang about the blood and we read right about or yeah read right about the the blood, and you know the plan of redemption there's a thread of blood throughout the whole bible he read from revelation and that blood started in genesis and that continues all the way through and it's just something i thought already of trying to just follow the follow it and have a message on it but i didn't i didn't do it yet so Uh, With that paper that you got with the Bereans, I'd like to put a plug in for you as young families. That was something that we used to do as as a family. They have little cottages down there. If you want a little vacation, just go down there. You don't have to make meals. You can get meals there and rent a little cabin, a little cottage, and uh, yeah, just enjoy the Thursday evening through Sunday evening. We uh, did that a couple years and we really enjoyed it. And uh, the children made a lot of friends as well. So yeah, I'd encourage you to do that. This morning, thinking of a message, there's, when you think of communion, um, the old, old story But it's something that I hope we never lose the newness of it or the seriousness of it. Was it necessary that Jesus went to the cross for you, for me? Yes, it was. I'd like to think this morning of... of those three crosses or at least thinking of starting off with that when we think of his suffering and his death we know the account I'd like to read it from Luke 23 I'd like to read from 32 through 46 Luke 23 32 through 46. But I have prayed for thee. No, I'm in the wrong one. (laughs) I thought it didn't look right. Did I say 22? 23. 32. And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left, Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also is written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the others answered, rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, To day thou shalt be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, Into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Thinking of his death there, there were three crosses. Three crosses and three men. The one died to sin. The one died to sin. And the one died for sin. I would like to focus on the one that died for sin this morning. He died willingly. He gave his life for you and I. It said, there at the, verse 46, it said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, and having said thus, he gave up the ghost. He didn't, he, uh, they didn't take his life, he gave it. He laid it down willingly. This past week in instruction class we had a we looked at Christ's atonement for sin and I soon realized there's a lot of the atonement that do we have the words to express do we know what all took place and I admit I don't know all details and everything that goes with, but we know enough that he gave his life, shed his blood, and entered into the Holy of Holies in the presence of God, not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with his own precious blood to purchase our redemption, to purchase our salvation. so in our in instruction class uh, the lesson before they taught they uh, learned about the sin and then we just reviewed that a little bit how man deserves death because of our sin the only way we can escape it is if god pardons us or if he uh, forgives us and we know that it was through the blood and without The shedding of blood there is no remission of sins or no forgiveness of sins so we know that the only way that we can be pardoned is through the shed blood and then Christ was obviously the one who died for us and shed his blood and God accepted Christ's death and blood as a substitute for us those were the passages that we looked at and then in the closing there were two words that, that said review, and it, it talked about, the two words were advocate and propitiation. Propitiation is a big word. I have a hard time saying it, but that is the word that I would like to look at somewhat. Advocate represents us before God, that he personally stands in our behalf when we are repentant and believe on him. I'd like to read the verses of these two, uh, where these two words are used together. In 1 John 2, familiar passages, but I'd like to read them anyhow. This was John after he, he said about uh, God is light and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And chapter 2 says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. His desire is for you and I, that we would not sin. This idea of sin here, the word sin here, is missing the mark. He says... I write unto you that ye should not miss the mark. But if any man misses the mark, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, the one who is holy, the one who is righteous. He is the one that will come alongside of you and plead your case to the Father. He has a right because he is righteous. And he was... He was man, he is man, and he is God. We, we looked at that as well in Sunday school, or in uh, instruction class. We have an advocate that comes alongside and pleads our case. And then verse two, and he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The definition that was given in our book says, God's righteous wrath against us because of sin could be turned away because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. God's righteous wrath could be turned away. No, God's righteous wrath against us because of sin could be turned away because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That is what propitiation is, or what the book that uh, our instruction class book shared. Another one is simply turning away wrath to end displeasure. It is turning God's wrath away from us. With the word propitiation in the English form is only found three times in the Bible, in 1 John 2.2 and then 1 John 4.10. It says, Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And the other one is found in... Romans 3.25, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Just turn over to that one right away, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. There are two different words, but it's, they're translated in as a propitiation. Pro- provision for turning away wrath and provision for mercy would be the idea here. Is there a need or for propitiation when I looked up propitiation in the lines it said the Greeks they knew what the word propitiation meant because they had a lot of pagan gods and that they they were used to, to uh, trying to win the favor of these gods by appeasing or trying to satisfy win the favor of the god by giving usually it was by giving sacrifice of their own children they would make sacrifice trying to to uh, to turn the wrath of these pagan gods away but that's not what this is talking about it is not we we do not we can't turn away the wrath of god it is a provision that God gives. We'll see that as we go on. So is there a need for propitiation, a turning away of God's wrath? According to to Scripture, we we are in Romans, so I'm going to stick there for a little bit, jump around here and there. When we think of, is there a need for the turning away of God's wrath because of our sin? The Bible is Clear, throughout scripture, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. We all have sinned and sin is what brings the wrath of God on. We can look at at a, just right here in Romans, I'll, in verse 18 of Romans one, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Romans 2, verse 5, But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Maybe I'll just read a couple more verses there. 6, Who will render to every man according to his deeds to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor, immortality, eternal life but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. So there we see that the sin of man draws the wrath of God. We could look in Ephesians where it says that, or yeah, the psalmist brings out that God hates sin or that he, he is angry with the wicked every day. That is from from Psalms 11, 7, 11. He's angry with the wicked every day. Sin, um, yeah, God hates sin. God is a holy God. And and sin just draws out the the wrath of God because holiness and sin do not, they don't reside together. They cannot. And He does not tolerate, his holiness does not tolerate sin. Ephesians 2, Ephesians would be another book that talks about the wrath of God. When it talks about wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So we were by nature the children of wrath. Ephesians 5 talks about what brings on the wrath of God. And it says, verses 3 through 6, talks about what we have the fornication, all uncleanness, or covetousness, let not be once named among you as become a saint, neither filthiness nor foolishness, talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you, with vain words for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. We see how, how sin in our lives draws the wrath of God and, and so do we need someone to turn away God's wrath from us? We sure do. Wrath of God is the holiness of God. St- wrath of God is the holiness of God stirred to action against sin. That's a quote that I that I have written down. It is the wrath of God is the holiness of God stirred to action against sin. God's holiness or God's wrath will not tolerate sin. We are all deserving of God's wrath or what he has or the outpouring of God's wrath. We stand in need of propitiation or the turning away of God's wrath. Our great need is propitiation, the turning of God's wrath. The means of propitiation is there something that we can do to turn away God's wrath? We find ourselves that sin draws the anger of God, of God, the wrath of God, but the propitiation is a work of God. It's not something that you and I can do. It's not something that, that we can offer to God to, to turn his wrath away. There's no sacrifice that we can give to God to turn away his wrath from us. But God is propitiated by his own initiative and action. In Romans three there, it says, I might just read in verse 20. No, I'll read 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace. We are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And then talking about the propitiation or what, that provision that was made. When God hath set forth, when God set forth Jesus Christ to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins, that are passed through the forbearance of God to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth on Jesus. Last Sunday, we heard a message on God's love. We think of the wrath of God. We think of the holiness of God. A couple of weeks before, we heard a message on the holiness of God. And when you are in the presence of God's holiness, you see your awful state that you're in if you are not right with God. You see the sinfulness. And so we have God's holiness and God's justice or his wrath, and then we have also on the other side God's love and his mercy. They are characteristics of God. Who God is. He is holy. He has wrath. He is, he is uh, righteous. He is love. He is mercy. And I like that verse that where the other word or the where propitiation is in it says it is not here in his love not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins it is because of his love for us that he sent his son to be that propitiation or another word there would be the atoning sacrifice for our sins that would turn away the wrath of god it was because of his love we have okay so we have his love and we have his his holiness and his justice and we have love and mercy on the other side so and we are in between, or we are separated because of our sin. When we think of, of, uh, of the very first sin in the garden, it wasn't long until or after that Adam and Eve had sinned that he showed his love, his heart of love, and his mercy as well. It was just a couple verses after the fall that he promised that... uh, I should know that verse as well. He said, I will put enmity between thee... No. Yeah. Enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. So he was thinking ahead already, and this was planned before the fall, but, but he shared it with them that, that uh, they would see that he was making, pro- that he is also making provision. So we see his love, but ever since the fall, he would extend love and, and mercy. He would want to have people to come to him to be reconciled. He was trying to redeem or to, to bring that peace in with the, with the fallen man again. <clears throat> he was trying to do that. He, he was, he's not willing that any should perish, Peter brings out, but that all should come to repentance. He wants all to be saved. He was seeking. He was extending his mercy to each one. He was showing their love You know, throughout scripture, we we read it over and over, he continues to seek the salvation of the sinners. He don't want them to perish. So we have his holiness and his justice, which his holiness and justice demands punishment because of sin. And while on the other hand, his love and his mercy, which seeks reconciliation and salvation of the sinner when we think of the attributes of god and our sin how can he be holy and just and on the other hand be love and mercy when he does when he he is and he will always be he and he does not belittle one or, or mess one up to show the other one. In order to show love, he will not, um, don't have the word, <laughs> what I want. It's never exercised at the expense of the other attribute of God. He needs to show his love and also his holiness, it will go together. They do not interfere. So, when we think of the state that man is in, how can a holy God receive a sinful man? A just God be consistent with the holy character and yet be merciful to me, a sinner. God can't, because of my sin, he can't just overlook my sin and say, that's all right, just keep on going, I'll save you anyhow. That wouldn't be justice. That would be like our laws or the land or the the justice of our land. There isn't justice, but no, he can't do that because of his, yeah, it wouldn't be just. It would be like the judge that would let the criminal go free without punishment. But God, it says in this verse, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, he took the initiative and sent his son, set his son forth or set him for everyone to see for the propitiation and shed his blood holiness and justice are maintained and satisfied by making that provision by giving his son and yet his mercy is extended to those who turn away from sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ it says whom god has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. The propitiation that God has given through Jesus Christ, he initiated and he gave that, he gave Jesus Christ. Our part is faith. We need to have faith in that if we want want it applied to us. So we see his mercy was extended to those who have faith in him or who believe in him. And in this, in this verse here, it has the idea of more, the word here means mercy seat, basically. This same Greek word is used in, in Hebrews, talking of the mercy seat. When you think of the mercy seat, we, my mind, well, you, you go to the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant. That square, no, was it, was it square? I'm not quite sure. Anyhow, that box that was overlaid, it was gold on the inside and on the outside, and in it, there was the Ten Commandments, pot of manna, and Aaron's rod that budded. And I think Hebrews talks about a censer. And uh, yeah, but anyhow, we have the Ten Commandments in there. And we know that when And then there were two cherubims facing each other and looking down onto the mercy seat. Solid, pure gold. It was was made out of pure gold. And we know that there was only once the year that the high priest would go in there. Once the year. And that was on the Day of Atonement. And so he would go in there, but he had to go in with blood. If he would go in without blood, he would not come back out alive. He always took blood in there. And so he would, they would, first of all, he'd have to take blood in, of the blood of the bullock for himself and his, his uh, family or the, the priests. And then he would sprinkle that I'm not quite sure where all, but I know he would sprinkle it on top of the mercy seat. And then he would, after he did it for him and the other of the priests, he would go out and then bring blood in of a goat that was chosen by Lot to be, be killed and the blood was shed. And he would take it in and do the same thing, put it on the mercy seat. And between those cherubims, is where God would meet. God would come down in the Shekinah glory in the cloud and would would meet right there where the cherubims were facing each other and looking down on the mercy seat. The blood had been applied to that mercy seat. Underneath were the Ten Commandments that was saying sin needs to be punished. Sin needs to be punished. and It needed to be death for sin, and then, with the blood applied, God would the blood would turn the wrath of God away, and the children of Israel were were freed, or pardoned, or the the sin was covered. After that, after that, He would go out, and then there was the other goat that was chosen as well that wasn't chosen for the lot. He was chosen to be be the scapegoat where they would lay all the sins of the children of Israel on. They would lay their hands on and they would confess the sins and they would send them out without the camp and let it go to set it free. Anyhow, there's a lot more that could be said on, of that. But you know, it was all pointing forward to this perfect Lamb of God, spotless, without sin, that the one that shed forth His blood, there at Calvary, Jesus went on the cross, not for His sins, but for our sins, for the sin of the whole world. He went to the cross and shed His blood. We deserved to be on that cross. We deserved death because of sin. We deserve that punishment. But he took the punishment and paid that price for us. That perfect lamb of God. I had to wonder I don't, there's no scripture to go with this that I know of, but I had to think. Sin brings the wrath of God. Jesus bore our sins on the cross. Did the wrath of God, go on, Jesus, was it the wrath of God? I don't know. I'm not saying that. Don't say I, I said it because I, I, I told my wife I just ain't comfortable because I don't have scripture to back that. But he bore our sins. He took our punishment there at Calvary. God's holiness His justice and mercy met at Calvary. There's a, there's a Psalm. um, Oh, how does it go? Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. That is what happened there at Calvary. Mercy and truth have met. The truth was sin needed to be punished. But because of his mercy, yeah, it was punished, but he took the blunt of it. And his righteousness and peace have kissed each other. There was a little quote or a treasury of notes and quotes and anecdotes by Baker House, describing some of this. uh, Yeah, I could be, I could say a lot more on on that, I guess. Turning away the wrath on your, Jesus was the one who is the only one, one and only propitiation for sin. God is propitiated. His wrath is turned through faith in his blood. There's a little story that describes thinking of his mercy and his love. Describing how bribery and corruption were increasing among a group of people many years ago, their leader Schimmel ruled that anyone convicted of bribery should receive 100 lashes on the bare back. The first offender was Schimmel's own mother. Justice demanded that she be punished, but love sought her release. The people waited to see what Schimmel would do. Then came the sentence, take her to the whipping post. Shimo himself attended. After five strokes, he descended on her back. After five strokes had descended on her back, Schimmel cried out, stop, release her. Then stripped off his own shirt, He said, I shall take the rest. As his mother looked on, he took the remaining 95 strokes on his bare back. Justice was satisfied and love bore the brunt for the punishment. Jesus bore it all. He paid it all. We didn't even take the five strokes. Jesus is the only one, the one and only propitiation for sin that God accepts. Was his propitiation effective? Going back to the verses that I read, it said, and he is the propitiation or the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So was it effective? Yes, it was. He turned away the wrath of God by his sacrifice. Does that mean we're automatically freed? Does that mean everyone' sins are taken care of? He gave his life once and for all. He, he gave his life as a sacrifice, once and for all. And after that, he sat down, it was finished. He's not gonna sacrifice his life again. It is efficient for all sin of the world. But if we wanna make it effective, we need to do like, there in Romans where it said that by faith or accepted by faith that his blood did turn away the wrath of God and it's only as we repent and exercise genuine faith in the Lord Jesus I have propitiation for all, advocacy for the Christian only. The, propiti- the, the sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice, is for all. And it affects all. But like I said, if you want to make it effective, you need to take it by faith. Advocacy, or uh, him being an advocate, is only for the believer. When he comes alongside as a helper and pleads your case to the Father, you gotta be walking in the light, you got to be with him or he can't plead your case. If you study the passage or the context of that verse, it would say as, as you're walking in the light, you have fellowship with the light. You have fellowship one with another. As you continue on in the light, you are fellowshipping. You have that connection. You're walking in the light, and there's no darkness. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us, cleanses, whatever, an ongoing cleansing. (laughs) And uh, ETH is hard for me to get out. From all sin, it's an ongoing. As we walk in the light with him continually, the blood will continue to cleanse us. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So if we say we don't have sin, the truth isn't in us. And who is the truth? Isn't Jesus the truth? So our advocate wouldn't be pleading our case if we're not in the truth. If we say that we have no uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As we are confessing, as we're walking in the light, walking with him, we keep on confessing. He is faithful and just. to keep on forgiving and cleansing. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So he's not. And then it goes on. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. But if ye do, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, as you're are walking with him and confessing with him. We have an advocate. So his propitiation for sin, for all sin, is adequate for all. Paul was convinced of it, going back to Romans where he proved that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He was convinced. Do I know that he was convinced? If he wasn't convinced, we wouldn't have a lot of our Bible. He was convinced that the power of God will take you to salvation. And that, that sacrifice that, that God gave through his son Jesus shedding his blood, he knew it was accepted and efficient, effective to turn away the wrath of God when we apply that blood. And so I, yeah. The verse stood out to me in in studying of the wrath of God here in Romans, one of my favorite verses, but I, I don't know why I looked over it or I should say one of my favorite passages is the idea of in, in Romans 5, for when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. We were helpless, we were without strength, but Christ died for the ungodly. We weren't godly, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet for adventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us In that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While I was a sinner, he died for me. You turn away that wrath, much more than being now justified by his blood, just as if we have not sinned, we were in right standing with God through his blood, we shall be saved from what? The wrath through him. We deserve the wrath of God. But because of what Jesus has done, I don't know what all took place, but I do know God accepted his son, Jesus Christ, for the sacrifice for our sin. The propitiation that turned God's wrath away from sinful man if we accept by faith the blood that Jesus took into the holy of holies to redeem you and I. Lot of different ways yet. What am I doing with the propitiation that Jesus has made for me? Am I sharing it? Am I convinced that it will turn the wrath of God away from a repentant sinner? Paul said he'd, maybe I should just turn to it. I know where it is. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Save some from that wrath of God that is against sin, or that, that his wrath is toward sin. Am I? You know, Paul, he was all out trying to spare someone from the wrath of God. What about you and I am I? Or is it only for me? No, it's for the sin of the whole world. It's for all. Let's share it. So others can be redeemed and be at peace There's a whole lot more that the death of Christ done. The blood of Christ brought peace. We were alienated, but because of the blood of Christ, there is peace. Anyhow, I see I didn't think I would have enough to go on, (laughs) but there's a lot that could be said. Let's pause for a word of prayer.